You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's The Killing After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's The Killing After Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. No, it is not Breaking Bad, but we're going to use the theme song anyway because clearly they are promoting this show very heavily. Uh, We are, in fact, doing The Killing, Season 3, Episode 4. Scared Scared and running. Scared and running. I thought overall a very, very good episode. What did you think, my co-host, Marissa Serafini? Hello, everyone. I like this episode. Um, even though the title's called Scared and Running, it was mostly just being scared. I didn't see a lot of running. Maybe running here and there, like the the killers on the run. But overall, I liked it. We got a few answers and a few questions. Well, it was a it was a great little uh, teaser opening, which we'll uh, obviously talk about because that was the main focus of tonight's episode. Um, but le- before we get into that, let's talk about Seward, who um, you know they've been showing us kind of tidbits and things like that, but it hasn't quite de- been developing all too much, and uh, mainly because you know he's in jail, and so how active can he really be? You know, anytime anything's happening, it's it's either when. Um, they're, the cops are coming into the prison or something like that, or obviously in, in the case of tonight, um, when he gets a visitor, you know, and it's for yeah. his son to see, to see him. Uh, but let's take a step back. Um, I want to talk about real uh, the that he's got two weeks. Two weeks left. Yes, um, I think his he knows his time is running out. Therefore, he's engaging more into uh, conversations, deep conversations with Elton. And I like this because usually we've always seen Alton start the conversations with Seward um, back and forth. But I, t- in tonight's episode, we see Seward start the conversation and they're getting really deep about forgiveness and whatnot. I'm like, all right, he's contemplating over his life. Well, what are, what are your thoughts when, he, when uh, you know, now we get a new person in, involved, uh, that being Dale, and, you know, they're talking about forgiveness and things like that. And God's already forgiven me. <laughs> And uh, and Ray just totally writes him off, and he's like, f- basically f that. Uh, yeah, I liked how they brought uh, a third guy in because you know it's always been those two. So I think Alton's kind of, um, you know, Seward's negative mentality is kind of rubbing off on Alton, and Alton's kind of just thinking like, yeah, I'm not, I'm kind of losing my faith too, and he's kind of having the same mindset as Seward. And so to bring in another positive guy who has this positive look on life, it was just another fun dynamic to this uh, seemingly negative perspective both of Alton and Seward has now. So uh, I thought it was interesting, and I liked how they touched on forgiveness. 
because I think those are that's one of the main things you always think about when like you're trying to make amends in life when you know you don't have much time left. Yeah, and it, it was interesting. Uh, you know, he said Dale eventually says to him, "Hey, I just want you to know I'm I'm ha- having having a good day." You know, or I'm happy today and things like that. And uh, so I, I thought it was really interesting that, and uh, you know, obviously there's the whole, they've been bringing up God and things like that. And kind of in the last final moments, you know, you always wonder where am I going, things like that. And uh, it's interesting how uh, we find out that there has to be seven volunteers to do this, which obviously seven is a very biblical number. Yes. So I thought I thought that was interesting. What well, uh, you being a little bit uh, more cultured than me with religion? What, what what's your take on that, if any? Um, yeah, I like how they're they're still keeping religion as a serious thing. Like they're hinting at it here and there because I think religion is such a pivotal thing in some people's lives, and ultimately, usually, well. I find, like, statistically, people who are more positive tend to have more religion in their life. More religious people tend to be more positive, and, you know, vice versa. And we can see that Seward doesn't have—doesn't seem like he's a religious person. He killed the freaking chaplain in the very first episode, so you know he's not a religious man. And you see he's just so angry and negative. So I think religion— it's such an important thing. If he has it, he might have a better turnout. Well, let's let's His talk fate. about this. I want um, at, you know, in the beacon of uh, in tonight's episode, you know, the owner says that um, you know, these kids don't have faith in the system. How pretty pretty much how could they? You know, with everything that the system has given them, and you know, so essentially, the system's failed them, right? And um, if we're to believe that. Uh, that Seward is actually innocent, then obviously the system's failed him. And so, you know, it's interesting. At that point, you know, with the kids kind of, they, rather than believing in the system, they perhaps turn to faith, you know, and, th- and, and hope that they find uh, salvation in that sense. But it's interesting, you have the flip side, which is Seward, and the system has failed him. And because, I mean, we, again, we don't know quite the truth, but uh, because of that aspect he's lost faith in religion because god failed him because if the system is flawed that means god has failed the system Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to think in in those terms at least for me i agree um also so let's let's talk about um when he gets the visitor um i thought uh he had some very you know for for a man that you know knows he doesn't have a lot of time he also doesn't have a lot of patience for many things, and I like how he's direct. Like, what what are you doing here? You obviously didn't come here with your husband, and uh, you know she's she's obviously trying to get to uh, what she wants to say. Eventually, she does, and uh, it was interesting to watch Seward's reaction to the whole thing because um, he's kind of always wanted to see his son, but now yeah. that it's come up, it's interesting to to, to see him backing away from it. And I, I think it's obviously to do with the fact that he has two weeks to live. And uh, I don't know if he... I don't know. I don't know what to exactly take out of that. Yeah, I agree. I was surprised he didn't want to see his son. Um, I like, And his reaction, it was like his very maniacal laugh. I'm like, you should want to see your son. And especially the, the foster mother wants the son to see his own father. I mean, if if I was the foster mom put in that position... 
and I saw how Seward was reacting, I'd be like, um, this man is clearly doesn't have his head screwed on straight. I don't know if I want to see my have my foster kids see this kind of seemingly crazy guy. So I, I'm kind of torn whether I would let Adrian see him. Well, Seward or it's, not? It's interesting because um, obviously he uh, he took off the tattoo, you know, uh, the A that that represented Adrian, and so to a degree he's trying to let Adrian have his own life, and, and you know, by by Adrian forgetting about his own father to an extent that's kind of like forgiveness or at least you know some sort of moving on, and uh, and also I think to a degree. Yes, he wants to. If he re, he he does ultimately really want to see Adrian, but he also wants it to be on the terms of it's it's not like defeat for him. Whereas now, you know, everyone sort of knows that okay, it, you know, he, he does want to see his son, and so he's almost like giving into them, you know. Um, and and you know, Frank the guard having you know he would be ultimately right. Like that's what he ultimately wanted. And therefore, you know, the system holds the power, mm-hmm. you know, and they allowed him to get that. Whereas I think he's he's looking to see his son, but is on, on his own terms, whatever that may be, whatever that may mean. Yeah. And because he's acting like he doesn't want to see his, his son. But the thing is that Adrian wants to see Seward, not the other way around. You don't, you don't think Seward wants to see Adrian at all? Uh, well, I think there's, you know, a little... Uh, thing within Seward, he he generally does want to see his son, but he's acting like he doesn't. But we were told tonight that Adrian has forgiven Seward for all he's done, and he's the one that wants to see Seward. Yeah. So, um, so again, I, I you know the biggest kind of frustrating thing for me is I I really love Peter Sarsgaard in this role, and I like the clique that they're now forming. You know, with Alton, with Dale, um, especially. You know, um, you, you kind of touched upon it with Alton in particular, how, uh, you know, now now Seward's engaging with him. And then when he comes back, Alton does, he starts telling him, you know, the story. And that's that's a pretty rough story, right? You know, he, initially he's kind of telling him, allegedly, I'm innocent, things like that. Mm-hmm. And when you really hear that story, like, dude, you're really not that innocent. No. And, yeah, you know, he's telling him in very detailed, like, how he killed uh, his family and like how he he stole the money, killed his parents, you know, with the shotgun. And he, like or he he shot his family, and it was kind of very in the same vein as how Seward told his story of how he killed. And um, it's I think they're just like both of them they're rubbing off on on each other, and more Seward onto Alton. So I think they're they both claim that they're innocent, even though their stories. Clearly, say the guilty. I, I don't think Seward's ever claimed he's innocent. Well, that's actually that's a lie. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, but Seward's never, you know, with Seward, he's never admitted that he actually. Uh, I guess that's did also the crime a lie. that why he's there in prison. Actually, that's a that's a lie because with Lyndon, he you know he he talked about remember about courage and about Skinner and why he wanted him there. So. Um, you know, I think I think it's you know uh, as we you know we'll talk about Callie's mom um, as well, but it's interesting. You know, part of it is you start believing your own lies. There's you know the liar can lie to others, but the artist can lie to himself. And and I think to a degree that's what's happening with these men, and uh, I also think with Callie's mom as well in particular. Obviously, I mean there's Joe Mills, 
Mm-hmm. It, she doesn't quite get it. Obviously, the big reveal and the cliffhanger of tonight's episode, the cell phone rings and things like that. <laughs> but uh, before we get into all of that, um, I want to let you guys know about an amazing movie that I actually helped produce called Adventures Zero Buddies. It's out on iTunes as we speak. Uh, go download it. It's uh, the first serial killer comedy of all time. It's very, very funny. It's got Christopher Lloyd. It's got... Artie Lang, it's got Beth Bears before she was in Two Broke Girls, um, Christopher McDonald, uh, Kathy Lee Gifford, uh, the list goes on and on, and of course our own Maria Menounos is not only in the movie, but she she produced the movie, um, and our co-founder Kevin Undergaro wrote and directed it, and uh, you know, uh, I don't even want to ask him, I know where the story comes from, but where all the characters came from and all the quirks <laughs> of the movie and how ridiculous all that stuff is, I don't even know. Want, want to know where it all came from. But check it out. It's definitely funny. There's a lot of great inside jokes. And you know how sometimes uh, you love quoting a movie? This is one of those movies I feel like you guys will be quoting a lot. and uh, Very quotable. In time, I'm going to start quoting it on some of our less... Um, Less serious shows, I guess, for for lack of a better term, uh, because it's definitely funny. But, uh, you know, I, I, w- I want to give The Killing it the respect it needs, and so I will not quote it. But a very, very funny movie. Check it out. Out now. Adventures Serial Buddies uh, for the price of a happy meal because we wanted to keep it cheap for you guys. Um, and if you can't find it on iTunes for whatever reason, go to SerialBuddies.com. So, um, very briefly, I, you know, because it was kind of a point, um, I do want to talk about it. Uh, Skinner's relationship with Lyndon, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that that was a great kind of moment in uh, the precinct. Uh, we see Bethany. You know, uh, Lyndon starts talking to Bethany, who at the time she doesn't really know that she's the daughter, and then the wife comes, and the looks just uh, from everybody was fantastic because obviously Bethany. Knows nothing of this. Yeah. Um, and then the stare from the wife to Lyndon, and then Lyndon to her, and then Skinner to his wife, then to Lyndon, and then Lyndon's gone. I, th- I thought that was great. Uh, what's your takeaway? Yeah, it was awkward, but yet humorous because we as the audience know what goes on, but they as a family altogether don't really know all that beef that went down with them. I thought it was interesting. I, th- I thought that was a nice comic relief moment of the episode they they always have to have like one moment one or two moments throughout the episode that just like makes us laugh and then takes us back to the serious dark side of killing well it, it was interesting to me how uh, you know things are kind of changing um in that respect i mean you know we talked uh holder talked about reddick you know being back and you know meanwhile they're out on kind of uh not necessarily patrol but Whatever the case may be, right? They're in search of this body, um, and so it's. And after they visit Callie's mom, you know, after the search warrant, you know, she grabs the keys from Holder, and he says, you know, just like old times, just like old times, and that's what it is. We're back to old times in many ways. Uh, some things are changed now, obviously, with Bullet kind of riding with them as well. Um, it, but with with Skinner in particular, things things are very different. Um, and I think ultimately the only real person that that uh, Lyndon has is Holder, but then it's also interesting to later on see Holder with his girlfriend Caroline on Valentine's Day. Uh, I don't. We don't, we don't celebrate Valentine's. So I, I thought. I, I but thought Holder it, didn't even know it was Valentine's Day. He completely forgot. 
I mean, they were up for 72 hours. I'm surprised he wasn't sleeping. I would have been sleeping after right. 72 hours. But, um, you know, she, she missed the ferry, so she crashed there and things like that. I mean, uh, let's talk about that relationship and how – what. I really like Caroline because of how accepting she is of everything. She w- she was a good girlfriend, but there was this short moment where you, you, you can tell she was kind of peeved. Like, uh, you know, this is Valentine's Day. I should have had a nice dinner with my boyfriend. And yet Holder went off to be with Lyndon again working on this case. And so from a female perspective, I would be a little bit peeved. But I would also still be supportive and accepting because, yes, you do have this 24-hour job. And, you know, uh, your, your schedule is probably not going to match up, uh, especially on a special day of the year for, you know, relationships. But it, I feel bad for But here's the her. only problem. I, uh, Holder, Holder should try to do, done something nice. I mean, he if he had remembered that it was Valentine's Day, no matter what, like, obviously they, they had just worked 72 hours. Had he just come home and at least said, like, Happy Valentine's Day, and I don't know, whatever they had. If they had a candle, you know, he put, you know, he should have done a candle. Or even if you have a toothpick, like, anything to show uh, some sort of effort for this, um, despite whatever slip-ups may have happened because of your job, I I think we would have been okay with. But it's going to be interesting to see their relationship develop. But notice how one of the first lines Caroline says, you know, I know a lot about you. Um (laughs) Obviously, Lyndon doesn't really know much about her. No. And so it, it's great to see that kind of in opposition with what just happened with Skinner and how, you know, obviously. So she went from one awkward situation to that Another. awkward situation. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, Lyndon's pretty good about, like, kind of getting intervening with people's personal lives, even though she doesn't really have one of her own. <laughs> I know, and you know, we'll tell, I, I, she's very good at just. Her goal is to solve mysteries, and that's what she's good at. She's not good at life, and she's good at breaking things too. <laughs> very good at breaking them. I mean, how, as soon as she knew, as soon as she found out that it was Valentine's Day, and that holder didn't do anything. Look at her just eating that pasta. <laughs> yeah, just so awkward. Um, so I, th- I thought that was a nice little comparison of. Again, you, you talk about things not changing, and she, she hasn't changed. At all, really, in terms of dealing with personal stuff. Nope. Um, uh, but let's talk about uh, Callie's mom. Um, you know, she kind of opened up the episode to an extent. Obviously, we got the teaser. That was the real opener. But, um, you know, the search warrant is issued. We're after jo- Joe Mills. Um, which, great pickup by Lyndon to know that he's the son. Yeah, and you know what? I kind of got that feeling, too, because there was no way that Mama Kipps would be completely, you know, withholding evidence if there wasn't something to, you know, uh, keep secret. And I was like, well, she's protecting Joe Mills really like a, a lot. There's got to be something, a bigger connection to them. So I kind of had a feeling that she was related to Joe in some way, being the mother. You know, um, I would love to, um, I, you know to speak to the actors in terms of how much what they know because you know it you hear a lot of these shows they they get the episodes only a f- you know um or they get the script only a few episodes into it but yet for a show like this you know with that you're moving forward but with this it's so um 
contingent upon the fact of what actually happened in the past. And so if you don't know that past, obviously if she didn't know that she was his mother, her actions and her, her acting of of that character would be completely different. And um, I thought it was a beautiful symphony of, you know, I mean, how um, how amazingly Holder managed to slip in the word mama, mm-hmm. um, you know, which, which was a nice indicator. But, you know, and she obviously kind of... Uh, looked at it you know if you really watch the scene you know she noticed her reaction to that word because obviously it's telling um and that's what lynn eventually picks up on and and the fact uh, you know of of hey you know why are you being so selfish and you're right you know the only reason that she would be so you know if it was anybody else but the fact that it was her son she had to withhold the truth yeah, and another thing is that if these, if everyone was honest from the get-go, you know, it wouldn't take this long to figure out, like, who the killer is. But here's the problem. He, uh, notice, notice how she kind of dealt with it. You don't know my son. It's not, mm-hmm. that, it's not that she's withholding or anything like that. It's the fact that she believes that this guy is an amazing guy. Yeah, and she... She kept saying that he's a good boy. He's a good boy. It's like she was trying to convince herself that her son Joe is good, even though she's hearing all these horrible things about her son. And it's like, not that he, yeah. she doesn't even need to hear it. She, I mean, she look. Could she look doesn't behind even her. know her own son. No, but she, well, she does because uh, she's in the reception room. You just look behind you, and there's your damn rape room, basically. You know. Yeah, but. It, it just another thing. It, it made me think that like she didn't know what Joe was up to. She, kind of like just saying he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Obviously, he's not. He is most certainly not. And so, uh, yeah, you, you know, and I, I thought it was brilliant by Lynn to say, "Hey, you're not protecting him. You can't protect him for this one." Um, so uh, it's it's interesting and, and seeing where that's going to go. You know, as, as much of a big storyline, you know, it's it's. I'm seeing a pattern here. The main kind of things that we're supposed to kind of be going after and care about, uh, you know, they they slow it down because something more pertinent happens. You know, obviously the Seward's kind of the big overarching theme thing of the the season, and this was kind of like carried on from last episode, and yet we didn't kind of fully solve it. We jumped on it, you know, with the search warrant and things like that. And, um, by the way, he's brilliant with the missed phone call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and setting that up for the mom, I mean, that was... Yeah, and you knew that because the audience knows that Joe was the the voice on the tape. But the fact that he still has Callie's cell phone makes me wonder where the hell is Callie then? Is she still alive because you still have her phone? Uh, I think he did that for the mother. You know, and and I think I think he knew. I, I mean, it's the irony is it, it it took that cell phone for her to really figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how many times has Lynn been saying that? You know, and and she says to her like, "You knew he was the guy in the voice. He was the 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 voice on the tape. That's absurd." Um, and so <laughs> people like you weren't fit to be mothers. Yeah, and like that line really got under her skin. Lyndon's really good about throwing in lines or doing something uh, to like have people really, you know, think back on themselves and be like, "Oh yeah, they, you got me." And I, I think the uh, the 
the thing with the cell phone is like that's such a catalyst for Danette because you can see throughout this whole episode she is starting to actually genuinely care about Callie and her well-being. She's starting to be that mother that she should have been all along. She's wondering where her kid is. She's being, you know, she, she's very concerned. And then, so, and the cell phone just like reinforces the fact that, yeah, she actually does care. Yeah. Uh, she care. Well, here's the thing. She she should have cared a little bit more. Let's just let's put it yeah, that way from the beginning. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you don't knowingly, especially if you know, and the police have been there multiple times, you don't withhold that kind of information. So, you know, you pay, but it, it, we'll talk about it more in predictions in terms of what happens with her. Um, in terms of Callie, not to jump the gun too much, but. It, you know, I think, you know, you asked, is she alive? Is she dead? I think I think with the moment that Holder and Bullet had, it's safe to say, unless some sort of miracle happens, that she's, we're not going to see her. Callie? No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because even near the end of the episode when Holder and Bullet were talking, that it was very realistic They're, and very grown-ups, you know, coming to the realization that Callie might and is probably dead. And also, here's what it does. Like, um, story-wise, you know, by Bu- Bullet wanted to go along this ride because she didn't trust them. And she also wanted to, I think, gain from their perspective what they're really doing if they're doing everything that they could. And obviously, even when they find the tubes and they find the blood, like, okay, you know, I know other spots. Let's go. Those guys didn't jump on it right away. And then they did. So now she's she's finally learning that, you know what, these guys are the good guys. They're doing what they can, and they, you know, they actually are good at what they do. And they, you know, they don't always follow the rules, so they, you know, they go above and beyond. But they're not; um, they can't do everything. And 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 B, you know, it might be time to actually understand the truth. Yeah, and I also see it kind of from like Bola's perspective that she's kind of alone in life, and she sees Lyndon and Holder being that the surrogate parents that she should have had, because she doesn't have lyric or. You know, Mitch, I believe his name is, you know, they're not really a big part in her life anymore. And Callie's gone. She doesn't really have anyone. So she's holding on to Lyndon and Holder. And I think if she stays with them, she'll be fine. She'll be protected. She'll have good people in her life to, you know, figure out and to keep her straight, really. And I think that's good for Bullet. And she can grow up and have actual people that care about her too well it's interesting you know uh as they're waiting um which i love how she you know um bullet didn't really believe holder but holder changes into this whole new persona and goes and (laughs) and, uh and becomes man of the dog so to speak um but you know they're talking um linden and bullet in the car and they're sharing a cigarette and they talk about the tattoo you know faith and then I thought it was really interesting, and I want to get your take on the fact of she says to Lynn, "You'd be the North Star." That yeah, that was actually a really good metaphor because Lyndon is the person you look to when you're you know when you lost your way. You go to Lyndon for help, and she will help guide you, um, and you know get your answers. So I think that was a really good. Um, metaphor and and also going back to you know religion and faith bullet has faith which in that little moment made me realize bullet 
can actually make it. Like, I think she can, you know, be around to the, she'll stick around to the end because she does have faith in her life. She'll have a good outcome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really hopeful of Bullet. And uh, I, I think, again, I, for me, she really wanted to go on this, this ride to kind of gain insight into what it is to be a cop and, and, and whether or not, and more so than that, whether or not she can actually trust these two people. And I, I think she's ultimately found that, um, it was, it was quite the journey. I, I, I really loved the dog moment with Holder, you know, and, and got, uh, the dog to lick his hand, you know? Um, so, which I thought, uh, you know, he says like, Hey, you know, you got to show him who's the pack leader. I thought that was interesting because obviously, you know, it's a double meaning because he's showing those guys that he's the pack leader. And obviously it works on Jedediah. (laughs) Yeah. My man Jedediah. Yeah. And it also reinforces the fact that Holder is, yes, he is a good person because even the dog trusts him. Yeah. But I I really like the Holder's, you know, I mean, hey, his uh, his experience of, you know, narcotics is really uh, pain coming in handy yeah and he's really taking initiative in like all these investigations he he's really being you know proactive yeah um you know and, and he, he's the one who found out about the tubes and things like that and uh it you know it, it's interesting the level of also learning about these kids the level that they go to um because of how much the system has failed them right so as um, the man from the Beacon tells, uh, there's three 24-hour clinics. There used to be nine. Um, okay, and so, you know, they couldn't find any girl in that. She's at the vet. Mm-hmm. I mean, think, you know, you want to talk metaphor. What what metaphor is that? Like, these girls are literally treated like animals. Animals, yeah. I got that, too. So that was... Uh, that was mm-hmm. quite shocking to to kind of see, and you know, but uh, it's at least they saved one person. Yeah, and girl didn't end up being Callie, unfortunately. She did not. I, I honestly thought the the girl was dead because we saw on the neck ligature marks and made it look like they were kind of like stitches, but she was alive. That kind of okay. surprised me. Like, she Whoa. was she was up and. <laughs> Ready to talk. Yeah. Get away from me. Didn't see that coming. She was quite lively, to <laughs> say the least. Um, but yes, at the end of the day, she is she is safe. So for this, we are, I guess, glad ultimately. But it it, it did lead to a really nice moment between Bullet and Holder. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I said, we, we've kind of both said from the get-go that they would team up. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nice to kind of... It seems like they're going to be, you know, she's she the ride along. Yeah, and and it really does look like Holder enjoys Bullet's presence too. So, like, I, I like this relationship that's going on. And we there was that uh, quick little moments between Lyndon's giving Bullet a cigarette and they're bonding. Holder is giving Bullet another cigarette and they're bonding. So, just like having Lyndon and Holder in her life is good for her. I agree. I agree. So with that, want to move into predictions? Let's do it. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. Uh, well, in terms of the cliffhanger, the thing that I'm bummed about is the fact that right off the bat, we pretty much 
we well we see we see Callie's mom kind of at the at the precinct and you know obviously the cops not really buying it you know she she's uh not necessarily not buying it but uh she's kind of getting the cold shoulder so we know she turns out okay yeah see i thought at for the cliffhanger i thought uh joe was going to kill danette or he's gonna cut the black or whatnot but i think danette is finally gonna come clean about everything and i'll get Lyndon and holder even that much closer to the killer but i think because that's happening that the killer is going to change his mo and kill danette and change the whole dynamic of young teenagers on the street being prostitutes and killed that mo and changes ways and killed danette too so it's going to change this whole investigation plus well, I, I wanted to you know i wanted there for me i really wanted that suspense of okay is she gonna get killed right then and there like what's gonna happen to her yeah because how do you get out of uh you know the cell phone ring no that, that you know that and, and the fact that th- there's that leap now in my mind of how do we get from point a to point b and uh, so that's what I'm going to be most interested. In. And then we see um, we, we we see there's a, something going on with Skinner um, in the sense of like, hey, we basically I, th- I think they're talking about we need results, you know. And, and I, I I don't know. Again, these teasers are so false. But Lynn says like, this is our case. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know quite what that means maybe they're maybe Lyndon and Holder are getting more personal this is affecting them emotionally they might be getting almost getting the hook off this case and getting the axe and then Lyndon's probably gonna step up and be like no we're even closer to the killer now so maybe that's gonna happen and we'll see what happens with Seward and uh, Adrian so um, that's could be exciting depending on how it develops um, but at the very least, we know we have a ticking time bomb. We got two weeks. Two weeks. Before Seward's possibly dead or not. And obviously that's kind of brought up about his innocence and things like that. So, um, obviously if we're to save him, we got two weeks. So it'll be... Which will be like another 12 episodes. <laughs> uh, well, we only got... I think we have, we have to solve this case by the end of this season. Definitely. So I don't, I don't think it can go much further than that. Um, anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, other than the fact, like, I still think Danette's gonna die in some way. Okay, interesting. Well, in the meantime, let us know your predictions, your theories, uh, your overall thoughts, uh, whether on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, iTunes, iTunes, YouTube, and our new website, AfterBuzzTV.com. Check it out. It's brand new. We redesigned it just for you. Uh, So go there. Let us know what you guys are thinking about the killing. We love hearing your opinions. Um, In the meantime, you can, of course, um, follow Marissa at Serafini TV. TV on Twitter, Instagram. I also do Hemlock Grove. Rookie Blue. That's right up your guys' head. Those, both both of those in the vein of the killing. Yep. There's killings in every episode. So check it out. Hemlock Grove and Rookie Blue. Uh, Hemlock Grove is Tuesday nights. And uh, Rookie Blue resumes now that the NBA Finals are over this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you guys very much for listening this week. We'll see you here next uh, Monday night. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. 
to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 